Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough from smalltownhomestead.com. And uh, today we're going to talk about raising urban livestock. I'm going to be joined by Sherry Willis from halfpinthomestead.com. And she's going to tell us about her new course. And we're just going to talk about urban livestock a little bit. But before that, uh, we'll jump into a few garden updates and uh, podcast updates. Uh, last week, um, I talked about uh, spraying my tomatoes uh, with the a recipe of cornmeal and it was brought to my attention by a listener that I didn't have that recipe up anywhere. I'm going to post that on last week's podcast show notes. If you want to see that, uh, to spray for blight and and fungal diseases. Also a warning. (laughs) I said, you can put that stuff on pretty heavy and you can with a spray bottle. I had put it in a spray bottle. I had sprayed it on my foliage and stuff. I did that twice on the uh, tomato plants. They did great. But I had probably about a half a cup left in the bottom of that bottle. And uh, I thought, well, I'll just dump this out next to the zucchini plant here. Give it a little bit of nutrient. And, uh, yeah, I gave it a little bit too much nutrient. And uh, I flat killed that zucchini plant. So just a warning, too much of that on the ground around the plant is a little too much for that plant to handle. So be careful with it. Just spray it, uh, wet the foliage down. You can wet the soil down with it a little bit with a spray bottle. But like any fertilizer, you can't lay it on too heavy because it can uh, damage your plants. So I just wanted to give that friendly little warning there because uh, luckily I had a, I got a couple zucchinis from that uh, plant before I killed it. But uh, anyway, well, let's just jump on into our interview with uh, Sherry and uh, see what uh, she has to say to us about uh, urban livestock. I'm joined today by Sherry Willis from HalfPintHomestead.com, and we're going to talk about uh, her new course, uh, Raising Urban Livestock. And uh, this isn't the first time that Sherry's been on the podcast. She was actually uh, my first podcast guest probably like a year and a half ago, probably somewhere around there. I'm not real sure. And uh, yeah, she's been, uh, she wrote some blog posts for us in the past and uh, things like that. But uh, Sherry, welcome back to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Well, I didn't realize that it was your first podcast. You were. So. Yeah, first, <laughs> first guest, yes. <laughs> uh, you wrote a, a a good blog post, uh, I don't know, it's probably been over a year ago, and it was called uh, Seven Reasons to Choose Small Livestock, I remember, and that was a really good uh, blog post, and it, it's kind of relevant to what your, uh, your course is dealing with here. So I was wondering if you could just, uh, first, before we get into your e-course, uh, if you could just... Uh, Take a couple minutes and tell people about yourself if they didn't hear the first time you were on here. Well, I guess part of the reason that I'm so into the livestock is I grew up on our, our big ranch in Wyoming, so we've had livestock since I was little. And um, I didn't realize until, I guess, the last five or six years that that was kind of an unusual way to grow up. I mean, we didn't have television. We didn't have a telephone even. 
and so we were always really self-reliant. It was 40 miles to town. You didn't just run to the grocery store for some milk. So um, our livestock were always a big part of our lives, and um, I continued that into my adult life, but um, discovered that the price of land makes it pretty hard to have a big ranch. So I kept um, downsizing and downsizing, and, and it kind of has become a challenge to see how small can I really get and still have a significant amount of my food come from the, you know, my homestead. So sure. it's kind of been fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I find that uh, uh, raising urban livestock is uh, – really one of the most rewarding things you can do on a homestead, but it's also one of the most challenging things for sure. It is, and um, through my fodder, I, I sell the fodder systems, and through that business I discovered that um, many, many people don't have any experience with live, with animals, I guess, other than their pets, their cats, their dogs, gerbils, or whatever. <laughs> and that's a whole different mindset. Pets are not the same as production livestock. And sometimes people really don't understand what they're getting into, thinking, oh, it's like having a dog or a cat. Well, yes, you feed it and that kind of thing, but it's it's a different mindset altogether. Mm-hmm. And you have different constraints and different um, things that you do with livestock than you do with pets. Sure. Uh- well, you wrote this new e-course. You put this e-course together. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that and maybe what what moved you to, to have an e-course and uh, and uh, share it with everyone? Well, uh, my fodder systems and the plans for my fodder system come with, with tech support. And I was finding that I was actually doing more education about caring for the animal itself <laughs> that I was actually, you know, taking care of the fodder system, mm-hmm. um, what to feed them, how to keep them, that kind of thing. So I realized that, and I, I was contacted by a lot of people, and I realized that there's a real need for just information starting from the very beginning. There's a lot on gardening, there's a lot on, you know, small space gardening, container gardening, that kind of stuff. There's really not very much on keeping small livestock in small spaces and so I just felt like there was a need for that and thought you know this would be kind of a fun topic to explore and see what I could come up with so that's what we that's what I did sure yeah I think it was really good I I looked through it you had me look through it and I thought it was really good um can you tell folks what what kind of animals you cover in the course well it's a six-day course um you get a, a section every day for six days um while you after you register for it. The first one really just goes through animals in general and livestock in general and asks you a lot of questions. There's a worksheet at the beginning. Can you kill these animals if they're for meat or for, you know, for, you're going to have to kill them if they're for meat. So Mm -hmm. can you do that? Um, What are you going to do with that hen when she stops laying eggs? One of the real constraints with urban you know, homesteading is is space, so you really can't afford to have a non-productive animal. Um, you know, urban settings are not are not designed for livestock, so you have to figure out where you're going to get feed and how you're going to transport it and that kind of stuff. And that's the first chapter. And then uh, the next chapters cover four different types of animals. I go through chickens, which there's quite a bit of information on keeping chickens in an urban 
setting just because it's been popular for a yeah. while. Um, then I go into meat rabbits. They're a wonderful, wonderful urban animal just because they don't make any noise and, and you can get so much from so little space with meat rabbits. Um, then I go into miniature dairy goats. They are probably the most challenging and time-consuming animal to keep as a, as a li urban livestock. They're um, very personable, and but they can be loud, and they require a lot of care and time. And So mm -hmm. I go through uh, how much you're going to have to do with that. And then the last one is miniature pigs for me. And um, I realize that a lot of people consider those pets, but... They came from the places that they came from. They were meat animals, and they're a wonderful way to use food scraps and things that you're not going to eat and turn them into healthy, safe meat. So, sure. And then you just kind of the very end, you just kind of go through uh, maybe some additional questions and some food for thought about, well, you know, what are you going to tell your family? What are you going to, you know, what are your kids? How much? How involved are your kids going to be? That kind of thing. So, just some things to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there are challenges uh, with every one of those animals and definitely things to consider before you take them on. I uh, just recently, well, a few months ago, hooked a friend of mine up with some uh, meat rabbits. He wanted to get into raising <laughs> meat rabbits, and uh, he has found out that it is quite a challenge. I mean, he's had you know, some of them. He started breeding them, and it, well, one's a really bad mother, and, you know, it's just scattering its nest everywhere and babies everywhere, and they're dying. And, and that's part of raising livestock. You're going to have yeah. death and, and challenges for sure. It is. And, you know, what are you going to do with the manure? Because whatever you put in into them comes mm -hmm. back out, so you've got to figure out what you're going to do with that's that. That's where the garden comes in handy. <laughs> that is. That is. But, um, you know, not everybody gardens. I'm not a particularly enthusiastic gardener. I prefer livestock. So. Yeah, I like both. They both have their rewards for sure. And, yeah, but I think you're right about the livestock. I mean, there's so much to gain from, from raising livestock. And I... I'm really fond of the rabbits uh, and chickens as well, but uh, yeah, I've never run uh, did the uh, miniature pigs. That seems like that would be a whole other challenge there on a whole that's, other level. Anyone um, with any livestock, but especially with goats and pigs, your enclosure is going to determine whether you love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. And if you do not take time to set up your equipment in your enclosure before you get your animals, and I stress this throughout the whole course. There's a checklist of the things that you need to have before you even start shopping. Because the minute you get on Craigslist and look for that goat, there's going to be the perfect goat waiting for you. And, hey, you don't have anywhere to keep it. Play pens in the house are not a good place for your baby pigs or your chickens. Um, you know, your spouse, especially if he's not as crazy as you are, may object but if you get those things set up before then the transition is so much simpler and um, I do talk a little bit about you know keeping in contact with your neighbors talking having an open dialogue with your neighbors because again in an urban setting that is very important mm -hmm. neighbors having neighbors object can cause a whole lot of problems oh, yeah. So, yeah even um, even cities where it may not be legal, you could probably get away with it if your neighbors are, are okay yes, with if it. No yeah. one complains and you're discreet about it, you probably can. You yeah, can choose yeah. you want to. Um, but, but your neighbors are, are going to be key. Now, interestingly enough, because of course I've lived everywhere from a big ranch to I lived in a camper trailer for a year and a half off grid in the woods of Missouri, I actually have found that 
that city neighbors tend to be more accommodating and understanding and tend to be more considerate of you than country neighbors do. Mm. And I think part of that is that people have the perception that, hey, I'm out in the country, I don't need to worry about neighbors. And people who live in the city really do understand that, you know, getting along with your neighbors yeah. is important. So you, if you open a dialogue with them before things happen, a lot of times, and then, you know, a dozen eggs every once in a while, that helps too, or honey, sure. whatever you have to have that's extra, you know, never forget to to take them a little bit. And that yeah. too. Everything but zucchini. People don't like to have zucchini left on their porch. No, I, think, <laughs> I just feed mine to the goat. There so the go. neighbor leaves zucchini and I take it in the house and he doesn't need to know what we do. <laughs> And we truck out horse manure and rabbit manure and goat manure to the garden. And so he does the gardening. I keep the animals. And when we're gone, they do chores for us. So it works sure. really well. Yeah, that's great. Well, can you tell us uh, what kind of things are included in the course? You mentioned that you had some checklists in there. Can you tell us some other things that are in the course? Well, all the course is um, done in you can either read it or you can listen to it. There's a downloadable audio that allows you to listen to each part because I know everybody's busy and they may not have time to sit and read. It's not very long. Each lesson's fairly short, five or ten minutes um, recording. But, you know, if you're on in your car on the way to work or something, you can listen to it. Uh, it, it comes with worksheets to just uh, kind of put your thoughts down in the first chapter. And every animal chapter has a checklist. There's also a video on how to milk a goat. <laughs> so, too many people see the cartoons. Like, <laughs> no, you don't pull down. This is how you do it. So, um, there's a, a video. And then, of course, anybody who takes my e-course pretty much has full access to email meaning questions or, or ask whatever they want to. So. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, who's going to benefit the most from this course? I would say... Well, really, anyone who's not had that type of animal before, but for the most part, people who have had maybe pets but have never had production livestock, because I, I really do get into the nitty-gritty of how to kill it and how to butcher and what to do with that stuff. And, you know, if you've never thought of that even, you know, it's there, there's we're so far removed from the cycle of life mm -hmm. right now. Most people, oh, well, I just go to the grocery store for my meat so the animals don't get killed. I've seen that several times, and it's like, um, let me explain something here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, uh, it, well, you get a, it, at least we can make sure that they're ethically raised before they're dispatched, and, and that's a big yes, part of it. Yes, and, um, you know, my thing is, is they f tend to feed commercial animals um, a lot of industrial waste, like, They'll truck dairy cattle. They truck candy bars that are rejected and stuff and feed. So, you know, that's not very healthy for anybody. But it's it's important to, to, I think, for kids especially to understand, you know, when you eat something, something died. Whether it's a carrot or whether it's a rabbit, it doesn't matter. Something got pulled, you know, got killed. Yeah. So, um, and uh, the other thing I do stress is you're not going to save money. So don't go into home, any kind of homesteading expecting that you're going to be able to beat Walmart's hamburger prices or Walmart's mm -hmm. chicken because you simply cannot. 
you don't have the government subsidies, you don't have, you know, you, you're not feeding industrial waste, so you're not going to come out that way. What you will have is healthy meat, and that's, you know, or healthy milk, and that's maybe more important, you know, spend a few extra dollars on your food and, and you can save a lot at the doctor's. Yeah, like like Joel Salatin says, if you think a, a healthy organic food is expensive, try cancer. <laughs> yes, chemotherapy, radiation, that'll mm. Yeah, and it's not a guarantee that, of course, you know, we're saying that eating yeah. healthy meat, but, but, you know, it's it's a it's a healthier way to live, no doubt about it. Well, something I was thinking about when I was looking at your course was uh, this course could uh, very well convince somebody that they shouldn't have urban livestock. And I think yeah. that right there is worth the price of the course if that's the case. Yes, and, and it is designed to do that. It's yeah. designed to make people think mm-hmm. because, um, you know, although urban homesteading is, a new thing. It's actually an old sure. idea. I mean, there have been livestock in cities. It's just recently that livestock was even banned from cities, like in the last hundred years. People brought their livestock with them because we just didn't have the trucking infrastructure and that sort of thing to to, to transport food for a long way. So food had to be close by. And people had their little goats and whatever. So it's not really new, but it's new to us. And, um, I hate to see the bad publicity because there are there are groups that don't want animals to be used for food at all, and 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 there are also groups that don't want people to be particularly self-reliant, and they love to talk about how many abandoned chickens there are at the animal shelter or how many you know things didn't work out, and um, I people need to be aware of these things because. Those animal shelters are not set up for livestock. Right. If you can't keep your chicken, can you sell it to somebody who will eat it? Because it's not fair for you to expect somebody to keep it as a pet when you're not willing to keep it. Mm-hmm. And that's not really its purpose. Yeah. So. I always see a bunch of roosters on Craigslist for sale <laughs> or even for free. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I took some to the auction the other day. That's the problem with hatching your own eggs. Yeah, you never know. You get half roosters. You, we got, we actually got one more hen than we did roosters, which is pretty cool. So. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that that absolutely the course could be, uh, it could be very beneficial to convince you if, you, if indeed you shouldn't have livestock. But also, even if you have one of these animals and you want to try one of the others, I mean, the, the course could be very uh, good for that too to help you uh, realize, well, this is what I need to do to to try this other animal. You know, I'm raising rabbits. I want to go with chickens or I want to try the the goats. So it's really good for that too. And I did try to go from the easiest to the most difficult animal. Um, I put the pigs last because I actually have the least amount of experience with miniature pigs. My my experience is with large pigs. And so Mm -hmm. a friend of mine, um, Ms. Alexander, (laughs) (laughs) she helped me. That's what she does. She raises um, cuncuns for meat and for pets and what have you. And so she helped me a lot with the, the last chapter because I just didn't have experience with the small ones and, and wanted to know, okay, what's really the difference? But uh, chickens, really easy. Rabbits, more work, but they're in small cages, so, you know, they don't. Goats and pigs, you're getting, it's like having, you know, a teenager forever, so. 
Yeah, we had, when I was a kid growing up, we had some goats and, uh, one time they got out and, uh, I went out in the morning to go to school and they were all standing on our front porch and then yeah. I, I was trying to get on the school bus and they were trying to get on the school bus with me. So they can be a challenge. <laughs> they, they, if there's a place they're not supposed to go or something they're not supposed to eat, that's exactly, it doesn't, yeah, they, but they're also very entertaining and very mm-hmm. Well, and like I said, if you have appropriate facilities, it makes it so much more pleasant to do, you know, just have that. But if you're trying to keep them, if you're putting them in every other day and they're eating your neighbor's roses and, you know, I always um, say that having a goat is just like having a dog, except it doesn't bark all night. So Yeah, I had a neighbor call me uh, last year and say, hey, uh, some of your rabbits are in my backyard. <laughs> and I go over there and herd them up and they got out. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, that happens. And then, you know, you also need to make sure that your facilities are secure enough to keep the neighbor's dog out or, mm-hmm. you know, that can be. Yeah, I know. had a, I, I opened I, it. I opened up the pen one day and looked in there and there was a, uh, there was a cat with a baby rabbit in its mouth. So, yeah, they, absolutely. The cats, dogs and neighbors, animals can definitely uh, have an effect on your livestock. So you have to think about that. And then I guess at the end of it, you know, in my thought process, um, you know, I tried to make it clear that it's perfectly okay to try it and then decide this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, take care of your animals and, and send them to appropriate places, not the pound, not the animal shelter, but sell them to the next person who wants to try or whatever. But you never know until you actually try something. I mean, you can read and study and that's great, but until you actually try it yourself. You don't know if you're going to hate it or if you're going to love it. Right. You know, people have been surprised. Um, I know that spouses have been surprised thinking, oh, this is going to be so much work. Mm -hmm. I hate it. And they're actually the ones who end up enjoying the animals. Yes. Many times I've seen that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have uh, graciously offered it uh, to the readers of our website and listeners of this podcast at a discount. And uh, I, I just wanted to let everybody know on the podcast that, that, that check that out and look at your course. I think it's uh, I think it has a lot of benefits. Anybody who is thinking about getting into chickens or rabbits or goats or uh, miniature pigs should definitely check it out. It's um, very good. I think it could... Uh, make starting out a lot easier and prepare you for what you're about to face if you're if you're determined to get into it or or definitely help you make a determination whether you should get into it or not absolutely well and i do include both the round top rabbit cage plans and the plans for the pvc goat milking stand mm-hmm. in the course that comes with the course and that's sixty dollars you know i charge sixty dollars for 29 for each one mm-hmm. so you get those with the course for free. You can just download them and along with the other stuff. So I think it's a really good deal. And I hope people take advantage of just the information and the thought process, you know, before they get started because it will make things so much more pleasant. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll put all the links uh, in the show notes of the podcast and, uh, I think uh, I think uh, people will definitely benefit from the course, and obviously you you know a lot about raising animals. I, I referred earlier to the the post you wrote at our website on small animals, or, uh, small livestock. I thought it was a great post, and and a lot of people have commented on it before that uh, they never realized the benefit over large livestock 
you know, you, you talk about goats versus cows milk and, and you know, having right. the, the size, the differences and stuff and why it's a benefit to actually go with something a little smaller. And so you know a lot about that stuff and uh, people have benefited from it before. Well, I'm not sure that you can, I, I think you almost, because I've had all of it. I've mm-hmm. had everything from milk cows, you know, to rabbits to, and until you try the big ones and then go to the small ones, it's it's really tough to realize the benefits because mm-hmm. America is kind of a bigger is better society, and so you know we've moved away from the smaller animals and um, everything is so large and commercialized that yeah the cow works in that situation, but you're not really going to be able to have even a miniature cow, you know, in town. They just right. eat so. But even even in a in a rural area, uh, there's definite benefits uh, there are. in having small animals, yeah. There are. Especially, if, you know, most people don't have 10 children. You know, a few do, but the average family is, I think, 2.3 children now or whatever. I, my milk cow gave nine gallons a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a huge amount of anything to deal with. So, you know, a goat, a gallon, two gallons a day, sure. that's you know a family can go through that they can keep it up it's it's wonderful and you're not putting 60 or 70 pounds of alfalfa hay into them every day so yeah yeah and it's in in if something does go wrong and you lose an animal you're you have more stock right. in that one animal right. so yeah right yes if you lose your milk cow you're done mm. you you usually have it well you have to have at least two goats yeah. cuz they don't get a, they don't do well without a buddy Right. You know, you can get five or six goats in the same amount of pasture that you, if if not more, is as a cow. And so, if you lose one, it's just not this. You know, yeah, the impact not, isn't the same for sure. Yes. Plus, they tend to have more babies much much quicker. You can actually, a goat can kid twice a year. Some kinds can. Mm-hmm. Um, don't necessarily want that, but and then they tend to have at least two babies, if not four or five. So your herd uh, increases a lot. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot to gain from it. I uh, hope people will go check out your uh, your e-course. And, uh, and also, they'll go over and visit your website, uh, halfpinthomestead.com. It's half-pinthomestead.com, right? Either one. Oh, I both go there? Okay. Now. Yeah, I have both of them now. So. Okay, great. Well, we'll send people your way. And I do thank you for uh, joining me on the podcast today. And uh hope everything keeps going great for you. And I and, and you trip you're getting ready to take you told me about earlier yeah i'm <laughs> headed back home to wyoming for a couple of weeks so and you know what we didn't mention it but uh, that's another thing to consider when you have animals isn't it that you're leaving yeah. your house for a while you get somebody yeah. to take care of them um the neighbor does uh-huh. but we actually purposely bred because we plan uh one thing is, is you plan your trips far and ahead and we bred the goat so that she would still have her babies when we went on this trip so nobody has to milk because the, the baby goats. And that's why I chose not to bottle feed the baby goats so mm. that she, they could, you know, and then they'll be old enough to wean when we get back. So, sure. yeah. Um, but, yes, you really do have to plan for those things, and it makes it much more difficult to – you don't just drop everything and go somewhere. It, anymore yeah that little tidbit of information right there is worth the price of the course (laughs) so well thanks sherry for joining me on the podcast today all right well you have a lovely evening you too thanks Mm, bye-bye 
Well, there you have it, folks, our interview with Sherry Willis on her Keeping Urban Livestock e-course. And I do want you to go check out that course. Now, I didn't mention the price in there. Uh, she has offered that to the listeners of this podcast for a 60% discount, which brings the course to $20. And uh, you can get to that course by typing in smalltownhomestead.com backslash urban livestock. Or you can just go to the website in the show notes for this podcast, and uh, you'll see the link in the show notes as well. But at smalltownhomestead.com backslash urbanlivestock. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and until next time, happy homesteading. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.